Being a small business owner is challenging in the best of times. During periods of economic uncertainty, that challenge becomes more difficult. In 2020, we're faced with those economic concerns, the same ones we're always faced with, but they're combined with a serious global pandemic and the groundswell of difficult but necessary social and cultural shifts. Any one of these would be stressful enough on its own, but combined, it's understandable why many of us are feeling a great deal of stress. Social distancing has in large measure removed some of our traditional coping tools, many recreations, and social support. I hesitate to use the term that I've heard uh, spread around unprecedented, um, but it is clear that we're living in a difficult time. And as I thought about all of this, I wanted to create a way or find a way to pull back the curtain on our isolation as from the business perspective, obviously, the, the, uh, this podcast and this program is about small business owners and about small business in general. And I wanted to talk about what, uh, you know, what the, we're, we're isolated right now in many ways. And e- even when things are normal, air quotes, normal, um, small business owners can feel isolated. So in this time, we even feel more isolated. And rather than just finding solace in shared difficulty, I wanted to produce a show that allowed business owners to share their own experiences and thoughts with other owners, as well as share with customers the best way to continue to safely support small business. Let's pivot to profit. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'm Stephen Krause, and this is Pivot to Profit an up-and-to-the-right audio podcast where we focus on what business owners like you are doing right now to manage, maintain, and even grow their small businesses under stress and during crisis. It's time to get down to real business. This is episode one of Pivot to Profit, a segment uh, that I just described. Um, And what I want to talk about today is basically the, the concept of the Pivot to Profit show, what to expect, And also, I wanted to start with my own experience. Um, I didn't feel like it was a good idea or or right um, to ask business owners to to share their own difficulties if I wasn't willing to do it myself first. And so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk about the struggles that I've faced with two of my businesses and what I'm doing about it and how that's working. And uh, then we'll talk about some things that that I feel like have been working well and uh, I'll provide some some uh, ideas for you to maybe try in your own business. So, okay, so what to expect from Pivot to Profit? Well, uh, first of all, it's going to be an audio-only program. Uh, I'm not going to live stream it. I'm going to uh, go back to my my podcasting roots, sort of, and, and just to the audio portion. There's a couple of reasons for this. One is simply that it's easier to produce. And since I'm bringing a guest into the program for the first time, I want to reduce the number of variables. So that's that's the first thing. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll we'll run it as a, an audio only program, and and see how it goes. If if we get to the point where having it as a video program makes sense, then I'll go ahead and and um, uh, try that. Um, we'll see how it goes. But that's not the plan right now. Um, I want this to be open and honest discussions with real business owners. So this is not going to be um, hypotheticals or 
examples that I provide, which I've done in, in uh, many up and to the right uh, episodes, you know, you talk about examples and, and uh, the, the examples that I cite are, are real world, but they're not from the person who experienced them unless they're mine. And what I wanted to provide here is let's talk about uh, some of the things that are affecting business owners from that business owner themselves. And so this is going to be real discussions with real business owners. The second thing is that uh, while we're talking about uh, the uh, COVID-19, but I want to, I want to make it a little broader. I want people to be thinking about business interruption in general, economic disruption in general. I've talked about this before Um, in my professional career since 1987 ish, I have never gone more than eight years without a serious economic disruption. Um, whether you know, it didn't matter what industry I was talking about or or uh, anything like that. It was there's always something happening, and so we want to be able to always learn how to deal with and adapt uh, and pivot uh, when something happens. And so I thought it would be a good idea to go ahead and I, like I said, while we're talking about COVID-19 and maybe we'll talk about, you know, the cultural shifts, at least here in the United States that, that are, are around in, in, uh, you know, August of 2020. Um, I want to keep a focus on the evergreen quality of the information that this has to, that your expectation to change has to be constant. There's, there is always going to be the requirement to uh, adapt and change in uh, business. Uh, So we're going to bring business owners in and ask them, you know, how has the current situation affected you? What actions are you taking? And we're going to, you know, what, what are they doing in order to keep their team safe? What are they doing to keep customers safe? What are they doing to promote? Um, This is a delicate time for promotion, right? Because if you have something to offer, and it's a time of crisis, you have to be very uh, tone sensitive to your marketing campaign, or it looks like, uh, you know, basically war profiteering, where you're, you're really going after uh, making money off crisis. So for example, as a business consultant, I have things to offer business owners, but I have to be sensitive about how I market those uh, those uh, skills and and abilities and products in a way that's sensitive to the fact that there are a lot of people struggling right now who don't have a lot of money to to spend on things that um, uh, they might not otherwise or they might otherwise be okay funding. At the same time, this is one of those critical times where people might need extra help. And they might be interested or, or, or desire extra help. And so there's this balance that we have to come up with in terms of communication. So um, how are we talking about the actions that we can take and the promotions that we can do? You know? And so the, the next thing we're going to talk about is what's working. How are the things that we're doing working? If I'm marketing a certain way, how has that been successful or has it not been successful? Um, and then what are we doing? And I mentioned this earlier, but what are we doing to keep employees and customers safe? Because this is something that's really important, especially right now um, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, 
is, and this this probably won't be part something that's applicable always, but how are we making sure that our employees not only um, feel safe, but are as safe as we can practically make our work environments? And that's a balance also, because you can never be 100% safe, even when there is no pandemic. And you, uh, so you, you can't be 100% safe, but there's a balance between how much, um, how many resources you put towards that safety versus the cost and how much you can afford to actually spend. And, and that's a constant struggle as well. Um, and then we'll talk about suggestions that, that business owners might have from their experience. Uh, the format is going to be, uh, I'll do a short introduction of the program itself and who the guest is. And then we'll go right into the interview. And this is not going to be uh, typically what I've done in the past is I'll roll through the entire podcast or live stream in one uh, in one uh, event. And uh, I go through and do uh, some editing, generally, honestly, not very much. But uh, this is going to be a little bit different because we are going to be recording these interviews as we have time with the guest. So the guest is going to drive the interview time and that might not be the same time that I'm going to produce the intro and the outro and, and whatever else to, that goes around that specific uh, episode. So I'll do a short introduction. I'll, I'll splice in the interview content and then uh, at the end I'll do a summary of thoughts and, and share resources and obviously the location for the show notes and stuff like that. So we have, um, there'll be a rounded, a fully rounded episode around this, but the interview may not have been conducted at the same time that I recorded the the intro and outro. And I just wanted to be very upfront front about that, but they will be recorded within a close time frame. So this is not going to be how I recorded this a year ago, and I'm going to put this interview into this context. Um, it's really going to be you know, I had to record the interview uh, this week, and then I recorded the the uh, intro and outro the next week, or something like that. It's not going to be dramatically different, but it is going to have a potential impact on the timing. So, I just wanted to be very clear about that, uh, so that there's no misunderstandings about the production of one of these episodes. All right, um, from a technical standpoint, you might hear a little bit of difference from my microphone. I because I'm doing audio only. Um, I am switching up uh, the uh, gear that I'm using. Normally, I if to do even to do an audio program, I would use my main live streaming setup, which if you watch uh, any of the YouTube channel videos uh, at the Beyond 50% YouTube channel, you will see uh, uh, and hear a specific sound and a look and feel. Um, that's going to be a little different because I'm using a slightly different setup in order to make it easier to bring in remote guests. So uh, basically, I'm just using, for the nerds out there who are interested, um, I'm using a Rodecaster Pro, uh, which makes it very easy to bring in a phone or a Bluetooth uh, guest and record straight into uh, that device and then pop that over into uh, Adobe Audition for the final editing. So um that's why you may hear a little bit of a different sound and uh, we'll see how it works. I don't know. There's, there's definitely pros and cons of course. Um, but I think for the purposes of what we're doing here, it's going to be uh, perfectly adequate to what we're trying to accomplish. So that's the technical and the format for the show. Um, and 
I would love to uh, hear any comments or, or uh, questions or suggestions at q.a at b50p.com. That's b50p.com. Um, in the meantime, let's go ahead and get started. Let me talk about my own journey when it comes to the current 2020 uh, environment. And I, I heard uh, I heard somebody say on uh, uh, a Zoom call not too terribly long ago that 2020 was going to be a dumpster fire. And and uh, I like the concept. It's kind of funny. Um, of course, as a business owner, that's not it's not actually funny, um, but it does kind of give me personally some space to say, okay, 2020 is not going to be what I expected or hoped for. Um, how do I work around that and make it what I can be? So um, I just, I, I like the idea of, of kind of letting it be what it's going to be and working within the, the boundaries that we can as business owners. So with my own journey, I run two businesses, right? I run Directed Energy, which is a high-voltage pulse power company located here in Loveland, Colorado. And I also run, uh, out of the same facility, I run my consulting business, Beyond 50%. And they're distinctly different businesses, so they have their own unique challenges that I think will be interesting to talk about uh, each of them. Uh, in February... It's interesting, and I've actually heard this story from somebody else, uh, not the exact same story, but a very similar one, uh, where in February, uh, I decided that I wanted to focus uh, my principal energy on developing and building beyond 50%. Um, I feel very strongly that uh, small business ownership, really the success of small business ownership should be the rule and not the exception, but it is by and large, in fact, it's far and away the exception rather than the rule. And I think there's, there are, um, you know, I, I want to do my part to help that change and to help small business owners uh, learn how to, to uh, uh, make the best business decisions they can, what tools are available to them, what resources are available, and how can we help small business be successful as much as possible so in February, I decided to start focusing on that and uh, finding ways to automate and delegate the responsibilities that I have at Directed Energy. And uh, so I'm, I'm getting ready to focus on this. And then all of a sudden, the market or, or the, the um, bottom drops out of everything with COVID-19, right? And, um, and this is a story, like I said, I've heard before that someone started a business in February or in, in uh, you know, November of 2019, and all of a sudden they have this huge crisis to deal with. And you can imagine owning uh, or opening a retail shop and having it launch on January 1st or 2nd or whatever Monday was and, and, and uh, thinking you've got this great opportunity coming and then boom, and by March, nobody's going to anybody's stores anymore. And... So I can, I can relate as I began to shift my efforts and all of a sudden there was a significant disruption in business. And uh, the, so, so basically I wasn't launching a new business in Beyond 50%, but I was refocusing my energy and hoping to uh, uh, build and grow it more aggressively. Uh, and, and like I said, restructuring uh, the directed energy. And so, wow, right? That 
you know, you almost go back to, okay, I can, I can just pivot or unpivot and go back to the way I was doing things before. Um, and, and is that the way to go or, or do you keep, keep on keeping on? Um, so let's talk about each of those businesses and the impact. So directed energy is a high voltage pulse power company, which basically means it's a niche high tech company. Um, we sell worldwide and, uh, to, to very specific, uh, applications and marketplaces. So what did we do? We, we, um, we did social distance working, you know, we, um, in terms of remote working, social distance working, those things were not difficult for us. We have a reasonably sized facility for the number of people we have, and that wasn't uh, too difficult. Um, but the our revenue slowed to the point where I really had to make some serious decisions about personnel, and it breaks my heart because... These are people to a person. These are people I have been working with for at least a decade, in most cases, more than a decade. Um, and I had to make decisions about whether or not I could continue having them on board full time. And, and so this was really, really hard. Um, but as a business owner, we have to do everything we can for our people for our teams, but at the end of the day, we can't serve anyone if we go out of business. So if you put all of your cash into your team and then your company disappears, your customers lose, and all of the impact that you could have had in the world evaporates, at least in that form. You know, that whole business, that all of the good that you can do is gone. And so I had to choose to... Um, let people go and have some people work part-time so that the business could continue. Um, and then obviously hopefully things will pick up, but, but we don't know what that's going to look like. So that was, that was something that was really difficult. So now we do have, um, uh, the team working, uh, you know, different people working part-time, um, and working from home, uh, when we come into the office, uh, we, you know, we do social distancing. Um, I have a mask that I keep on my desk. So all of those things we've been able to adjust. Um, we, we manufacture with partners in the United States across a couple of states. And that impact has also, you know, the, the social distancing and, um, and those requirements, work from home, all of that has impacted the manufacturing sector as well. And these these partners, um, one of them, they make medical supplies, and so that has impacted my business because they have to they they're um, you know there's there's a really a moral obligation if you're making a pulser for Steve, that's one thing, or if you're making a ventilator that's going to go to save somebody's life in a hospital. It's a no-brainer, right? And and so from that perspective, that's been an impact on my ability to get um, instruments for our directed energy products because we're competing, not in a negative way, but we're competing for time on a production line that's making life-saving equipment. And um, I don't resent that at all. I want to work with my vendors to, you know, 
get get products as quickly as I can, but that's the reality that we have to adapt to. Um, and so that's something that had to come up. And, and uh, then I already alluded to this, but revenue is significantly reduced since February due to uh, the, the COVID-19. So we've had to adapt to that. Associated with that, we've had cash flow that has been, that has dropped. And um, all of those things have obviously a very significant impact on your business. So if you're an inventory-based business, if you have products that you have to sell, then you understand that when your cash flow and your revenue go down, your ability to buy products to resell goes down. And it becomes a cycle that can be very, very difficult to get out of. Because without inventory, you can't sell anything and make money. And without being able to do that, you can't buy more inventory and you can't obviously continue to pay your expenses. So that's a balance that we've had to deal with. And, and so that's something that I think is, uh, companies can be really cognizant of or need to be cognizant of as, uh, as you go forward is staying in control of your cash. Um, making sure that you are in control and you stay in control of every penny that you have. And um, that has, you know, I've had to make a, a few uncomfortable calls to vendors because of that problem. Um, and, but we work things out and, you know, I, I explain to them the, the situation, what's the, the plan that we have to deal with. And, um, uh, you know, I've been working with my vendors for a long time and we've always been very good at, at keeping up on our AP, our accounts payable. Um, and I've had to ask them for a little bit of grace and we've worked it out. And so I think that's the other thing that people have to do. We, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in some of the discussions that we're going to have to have. Uh, but it's also, it's better for the relationship in the long term to be open and honest about that and say, hey, we're going to need a few more weeks or a couple weeks, whatever, to uh, get this paid off because, uh, you know, we have uh, uh, fewer products going out and uh, we're going to get paid uh, a little bit later. And I'll be honest, I've got people who are 60 or 90 days late and um, I have to work with them as well. And from my perspective, I'm trying to be very, very understanding with uh, business owners who owe us money as well. Um, I, uh, want to put myself in their shoes and say, okay, they have the same, I work with a lot of small business owner, owners and a lot of small businesses and we all share the same cash constraints. And yes, if they don't pay me, I have to kick that can down the road. Um, but we have to work together so that as many of us as possible can survive the crisis. If we don't work together, we're going to end up with worse consequences than if we choose to work as a, as a global economic team of small business. So uh, all of those things uh, were folding together for directed energy, um, you know, and, and customers and vendors. So I, I guess I should touch on, on this a little bit. Customers have always been remote. So that's a non-issue for directed energy. The, the customers buy uh, by, by phone or email, um, and I actually, uh, we used to have a, a shopping cart on a website, and I'll touch on that in a minute, um, but the, the um, 
the social distancing, customers being able to feel safe buying from us, that luckily did not impact the directed energy business because they're almost there's almost never someone coming uh, in our in our facility. I did have to ask people not to visit, and I normally am very welcoming, and I want people to come and, and visit us if they have questions or or if they want to see the facility or whatever. Um, I have had to ask people not to do that, um, and and honestly, right now it's it's August second uh, or third or something, um, the third. Uh, the customers that um, you know, there are customers in other countries where coronavirus has not been, um, uh, or uh, where where their response to coronavirus has been more successful than ours. And I've had to ask them not to come, and they're not as understanding about it because they don't necessarily follow the day-to-day information in the United States, which I understand. But but the reality is I can't have people coming to visit. It's not safe. So uh, that that has been something that I've had to deal with. Uh, but generally speaking, our vendors don't come in. They ship stuff to us. And our employees, like I said, we have plenty of space so that we can stay six feet apart or I try to actually stay further apart um, and we can wear masks and all of that works works very well. So that kind of wraps up the impact on the directed energy business. And it's been significant. Revenue was, was down, is down, um, uh, cash is down. Uh, I had to make adjustments in staffing. Um, all of the things that business owners hate to do and hate to deal with, I've had to dig in and say, all right, how are we going to do this so the business survives the event? And that's really what it comes down to. It's not about um, the business owner taking home more money. It's about making sure the business survives to continue to serve customers into 2021 or whatever the whatever uh, the future holds or, or you know, that time frame. So, that's the impact that we've had uh, and, and uh, on that side. So let's shift directions a little bit and talk about the consulting side. Talk about the impact on Beyond 50%. So uh, the, as I said, I had been doing, you know, some uh, consulting work in a, in, I, I wouldn't call it an ad hoc way, but it was not, it wasn't my main my, my primary income, my primary focus, I, I had in 2015, I just realized there's too many businesses going out of business. And I wanted to bring something to that party. I wanted to say, look, we, we, we have good ways of running businesses. How can we do that in a way, or how can I share that with the small business community in a way that is practical and useful? I've been working in small business my entire career. And, um, you know, being able to share the lessons that we've learned over those years uh, was something that I started to feel really passionate about uh, about five years ago. And uh, like I said, in February, I said, all right, I want to make a real commitment to this and start shifting my time away from directed energy and start pushing on uh, um, beyond 50%. And all of a sudden, the bottom drops out of the economy. Um, and, and so, there is some stress when you're trying to increase market traction in a restricted economy where there's less people wanting to spend money, which is where, you know, obviously uh, as a business, you want to bring in revenue. So uh, I had to start asking questions about the product and service offerings. Um, uh, 
I, how do I offer one-on-one services and, and still be socially distant? And those, those were the first things. So, so really it's awareness. How do I create awareness in this environment? Um, what products and service are going to be the most valuable to people in this time? And uh, how do I deliver those products and services in a way that are safe? So that, that was the, uh, the, the context of my beginning, uh, of the beginning of my uh, year this year. And what, I, what I've done so far is I doubled down on video. I said, okay, we're going to get good at Zoom. We're going to get good at, um, uh, or we're going to continue to do the live streams on YouTube uh, and, uh, and Facebook. And I want to work on some course level products. Online courses are still available. You don't have to be in person to do those. Um, I did have to put off a workshop series that I wanted to do for the same reason, because uh, we couldn't do them social distant. You know, we couldn't do them socially distant. Um, I also did some updating of branding. Uh, I wanted to clarify my message and uh, begin networking. So those were the core things that I started to do um, uh, on my own. And and then, so I've had an interesting couple of weeks. I uh, Well, four weeks, five weeks. So in... Um, uh, Earlier this this in July, I finally wrapped up a, a new logo that was done by a professional team, and I I will uh, be releasing that or launching it or kind of talking about that experience on the next episode of Up and to the Right, which will be episode I think forty seven, but don't hold me to it, um, where I talk about when consultants use consultants and kind of what the DIY trap is, um, and and so the. The idea of uh, the the getting the logo done really kind of triggered a cascade of um, events for me, and I'm really happy I did it because I I'm I think I'm in indic- I'm 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 uh, very similar to many small business owners out there. I really want to do everything I can myself. And getting the logo done was like breaking the logjam for me in a lot of ways because um, I realized that it, it, it almost gave me permission to get help. And as a consultant, you you might find that ironic that, that that would be a problem for someone who's trying to get other people to, to let me help them. But the reality is I'm still an entrepreneur and, and small business owner at heart, which means I have the same uh, challenges maybe that many of you do where we don't, A, we don't know who can help with what, and we also sometimes we don't feel like we have time to get the help that we need. Um, and sometimes, honestly, we feel like we should be able to do it without any help. And that's that was the trap I was in. And I, like I said, I'll talk more about that in that episode of Up and to the Right. But uh, it this this event gave me permission to get help. And that's been a really great consequence of refocusing on the things I could do. So that's what one of the things with beyond 50% that, that um, I feel like at first, and maybe there's a grieving process here, but at first I was really disappointed about the things I couldn't do the workshops, the one-on-one, you know, in-person consulting work that I really wanted to get into that was not available to me. At least I don't, I didn't feel like at the time and I still don't feel like a lot of that is, is a really good idea. Um, we will eventually get to a point where 
we can get back to that kind of work, but it's not, we're not there yet. And so the, the, um, the whole, this whole idea of looking at clarifying my message and, and, and branding and, and stuff like that, updating the website to make it more clear, whatever. Um, and, and then I had a call, uh, this morning with somebody about another uh, consultant who I engaged and I said, look, here's a project I want to work on. And immediately they came out with some, some information that was going to be helpful in a direction I should go that I really had no idea uh, that would be helpful. So um, the, the takeaway there is really that um, it gave me an opportunity to uh, shift my focus, the focus of my thinking onto how I think about my brand. I understand my vision and I understand what I have to offer, but being able to articulate that through a logo, being able to articulate it through how the website is dealt with, there's a lot of backend work that we can do when we can't do our active work. Now, I will grant you backend work does not generate cash. And so at least not immediately, it's a, that's a longer play. Marketing is an awareness thing, not a revenue thing. And so I, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that, that that can be the whole answer that you say, okay, well, this is really tough. So we're just going to work on our, our awareness campaigns and not worry about revenue. Small business owners don't have that luxury. Okay. And I get that. Um, and I, and so what we what but but it has given me the opportunity to put a lot of energy into that where I might have been distracted by revenue generation um, in under other circumstances and not given myself the the time and uh, space to take care of those things. So I think it's really important that that um, that we're able to to do that. Um, balancing it, of course, with revenue and paying rent and, you know, salaries and stuff. So, you know, it's very different businesses. Directed energy has no in-person activity, really, beyond 50%. In a perfect world, I would have a lot of one-on-one interaction with customers. Um, And we've had to uh, really take a lot of strong action on the directed energy side that has been really tough. Um, like I said, I've known those people for a long, long time and, uh, making decisions that affected, uh, those people's lives, uh, was really hard. And I did talk about that on, on up into the right a few months ago, but, um, and on the beyond 50% side, it's this kind of, I had, I started in February revitalizing my, or re, uh, re-engaging my approach and saying, refocusing my, my energy on that. And then kind of getting through the disappointment of not being able to, uh, act on it in the way that I had expected I would be able to at the end of February. Um, so there's a lot of expectation management as well that I had to go through. And so when I, when I talk about, when we're looking at, at how do we tie all this together and say, what does this look like? Um, I, I think this is really what I wanted to cover is just that there is a real world impact and you as a business owner are not alone. If you run a retail business 
and you're expecting customers to come in the door. I get that. You know, the beyond 50% business, I should have people coming into my facility. I should be going to their facility. Uh, there is, um, there's no substitute. Zoom is not a substitute for being in person. It's a, um, a, an alternative, but it is not the same thing. It's not as good. Um, and, and now I, I do think that video conferencing has an improved or an increased place in society for a number of reasons. Um, but it isn't the panacea for in-person business. And if you're a retailer of some kind of product, you can't use, it doesn't help you anyway. Right. So, uh, how do we, uh, adapt, you know, our, our, our retail businesses or our in-person businesses. And I understand the challenges that come with that. Um, if you have an, a, a, an inventory business and you're looking at reduced inventory, reduced revenue and reduced cash flow, um, I, I see that from the directed energy business. I, I totally understand where, where you're coming from if you're struggling with that uh, because I'm, I'm doing it, you know, and, and I'm, the, diff, the, the thing that you have to do, unfortunately, is like I said earlier, you have to do what it's going to take to be able to serve your customers next quarter, next year, two years from now, 10 years from now, and you can't wait. You know, we always want to wait so that we don't have to make the hard call. But the reality is the businesses that survive are making hard calls. They're doing it now or in March. And you have to make difficult decisions. And unfortunately we have to make them in imperfect with imperfect information in February and March, you could have made a pretty strong argument that you thought this would be like SARS and MERS in the, were, were in the West where they were not a huge impact. Um, something felt different for me. So I took different action. Um, I'm not Nostradamus. I, I'm not, I could never even tell you why I thought it was going to be more significant, but I understood where my cash position was, what my cash requirements were, and that I was going to be overburdened if this thing didn't clean up really quick, and I didn't believe it was going to. Um, and so with that imperfect information, I made the decisions that I made, and I am very, very grateful that I was able to do that um, because it did uh, enable me to continue to serve customers uh, where otherwise if I had taken no action, um, you know, it, it would not have, it would not have ended well. So really grateful for that. Um, but it's, it's real world stuff. I mean, this is the stuff that we have to do every day. We have to be making decisions that are really tough that we don't want to make. You know, we want the, the, uh, economy to change so that we don't have to make that call. We don't have to let those people go or we don't have to push that bill out two weeks and make that call to uh, the vendor and say, Hey, I need, I need a couple weeks on this. That is a, a uncomfortable call. Um, I will say one thing about that before I close today, if you have to do that, make the call, call the vendors, let them know and be honest and upfront about it. That will do a lot for your future, um, repu or your, your, uh, uh, relationship with that vendor. 
they will remember if you were honest and upfront with them and, and explain to them what the situation was versus just not paying them until you have the money. Um, so I would really encourage you to do that. I think, uh, the, the takeaways there are for me, um, you know, there's some hard things we have to do and, um, but we can't shy away from them as business owners. Our ultimate obligation is to the success of the business and the continuation of business and serving our customers. And we can only do that if we're in business. And so we have to take the action. We have to pivot to get to the point where we can profit. That's where I'm going to leave it this week. I hope you have uh, enjoyed this program and, and got something out of it. Next week, I will be doing my first interview program with Jeff Allen of Allen Plumbing, Heating, and Air, uh, local local uh, plumbing company here in, in northern Colorado. So I'll look forward to that. Uh, I already did the interview with him, so uh, I can promise you it's going to be uh, it's packed full of really good information, and I look forward to releasing that uh, week after this one, and we'll go from there. In the meantime... Uh, just remember you're not alone as a small business owner. There's a lot of us out here. Uh, uh, work on your network, uh, connect with me, uh, on LinkedIn. If you'd like, uh, if you just go to go.beyond.b50p.com, uh, you can send me an email and I will hook up with you on, on LinkedIn, or I will put uh, a link in the show notes. Um, I haven't formatted the show note link yet so i'm not sure what that'll be but i'll have that nailed for next week um in the meantime like i said you're not alone uh we're just uh we're gonna get through this and we just need to keep working at it and i look forward to uh sharing the stories and experience of other business owners as we go forward if you'd like to be on the program again uh email me at go.beyond or go.beyond at b50p.com and uh, just say hey i'd love to share my story and I will be uh, scheduling that uh, going out uh, into the future and, and we'll get you on the program. Thank you very much. It's time for me to get back to work.